What's up? How's it going? Um, my name is Jody Hickerson, as Shane said, and it's such an honor every time I get to come to The Crossing. Our family just loves it so much, so thank you for allowing me to be here this weekend. Um, and it is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. I am a mom of three amazing daughters. Um, they all have boy names, but they're all girls, um, Hayden, Bryce, and Tyler. Um, they're, two of them are teenagers now. I've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, um, so I'm kind of in that season of being a mom where you just like like get made fun of a lot, like anybody else, like, oh, mom, you know, that's like where I'm at with these teenage girls, um, and it may be for good reason. I was looking online this week at some texts from mom, and so there may be some valid reasons that we're getting made fun of that I just wanted to share with you. Um, first, there's this one. This mom is texting her daughter, Bridget, hi, Bridget, I space, 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 how space, our space, you space doing, period, capital, I love this new phone, exclamation point. I see you're using voice text. You don't have to say space, mom. It does it for you. I cucumber letter P, retaliant. What? Mom, stop. Just type, okay? Just like stop the voice thing. Um, or this one that I ran across that said, hey, what does IDKLY and TTYL mean? I don't know. Love you. Talk to you later. Okay, I'll ask your sister, okay? Um, uh, and then I ran across this one that was a text from mom. Mom, where are you? Leaving Walmart, halfway home. Why, sweetie? You brought me to Walmart with you. <laughs> oh, darn, I'll be there in a bit. Um, anybody ever done that? Like confession, the epic mom fail? Uh, I've totally been there. Um, in fact, last night, our youngest daughter, Tyler, um, we're in the hotel room, and she goes, I could live at this hotel. And so my husband, Mike, said, why, what do you love so much about it? And she goes, breakfast, you know? Because let me just tell you right now, I'm not great in the breakfast department. I'm like one of those people who's barely awake, like sipping my coffee for the golden nectar that it is. And like you are on your own. Like, well, I don't know what we got to eat. Figure it out. Like figure out what you're going to eat. Um, but when she said that, I had that twinge, you know, of mom guilt that we get. Like, okay, my kid would like to leave her home. And another state, her school, all of her friends, her soccer team, her church, so she can live in a hotel for the complimentary muffins, okay? That's what it's come to right now. Like, I, I'm not winning here. Um, but that mom guilt is a real thing. Uh, I think all of us experienced that. We saw that in the video. And the truth is, it's never been easier, right, to compare ourselves with other people because we've got social media so we can just see like all day long how good we're not doing. You know, we scroll through Facebook and Instagram and we just get to see every other mom's highlight reel, right? We see that they're still doing their Whole30 dessert, you know, and they're on yet another vacation and look at their amazing Pinterest inspired, you know, preschool snacks for the whole class and their Bible study quotes and their CrossFit wads and their 10 best marriage trips and their, their kids are bathed, you know, they're like clean. <laughs> And they're dressed like really adorable and they're eating vegetables from the garden that we planted out back on the farmhouse table that we built with some wood we found behind Albertsons, you know, earlier this week. You know, you're just scrolling through and you're going, really? You know, and you're starting to feel really small. That's what that does to us. And super discouraged and, and a ton of pressure for us to like think that we need to be all of that. Like, I need to be all of that. Let me just say something this morning as we get started. If you are a mom here today and you are loving your children and creating a safe environment, you are doing a good job, okay? You're doing a good job. 
You do you. You do not have to be all of that. You keep becoming um, the best version of who God created you to be. That's what it's about. Um, well, today I'm actually here and excited to be here to wrap up the series, Explicit Lyrics. Um, so this has been a really cool series. I've been tracking along um, online. It's been really fun as we've journeyed through the different stages of a relationship with this couple. It's this older couple um, that later in their life, at, towards the end of their lives, they got out a pen and a paper and they wrote down their love story. Like we've been just opening up that notebook and reading their love song. And this love song is recorded in our Bibles as the Song of Solomon. And we've seen them go from like physical attraction, like an initial like, hey, you're cute, hey, how are you, you know, to some respect for one another, to passion, to restraint, to a commitment on their wedding day, to a steamy 30-day long honeymoon um, where they used just about every metaphor they could think of to describe sex, which was fawns and hills and mountains and raisins and pomegranates, like we had it all. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, Shane walked with us through this couple as they go through a conflict, right? They get, they get in a fight. Like he's on the couch, you know, there's a work issue that was attached to a sex issue that created a communication issue. And we got to see how they handled this conflict in this relationship and how it actually brought them closer together. And so if you've missed any of the weeks in this series, I really encourage you to kind of catch back up online because we're doing this series and, and being a part of this series because God has something to say about this stuff. And the heartbeat is that we would want our current relationships, or maybe it's a future relationship that we will someday be in, we want them to win and there's a way for them to win. But I also want to say for those of you who um, have been showing up in this series or maybe you've been tracking along online, maybe it's just been like difficult because it's like, well, well, good for them, you know, but that is not my story and that is not where I'm at. And maybe your current relationship is full of strife or it's really difficult or this hasn't been your story or you've walked through a divorce. It's just not where you're at right now. I want to say it's okay. That's Okay. Like, I want you to know today you are seen and you are loved and God is not done writing your story and he is for you and he cares about you. And if you're single in the room today or you're single, you've been in this series, I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart, all of my heart, that a single life is not a less than life. Just so you know, maybe, you're, maybe this is like taking notes for a future relationship, but maybe not. And you need to know that a single life is not a less than life. Your contribution matters, your life matters, what you do for the kingdom of God matters. It is not less than. Um, but what we're going to kind of do today is pop in this DVD, you know, like we're watching the notebook and see how this old couple, how they are gracefully actually growing really old together. Like how are they doing that? And what we're going to find um, is this couple now in their old age, they're actually still practicing some uh, chapter 4 stuff. So that's where we're going right here. Um, we're going to read 12 verses. Um, which is a lot, so just kind of hang with me. But Solomon, he's talking about his bride, beloved, and here in their old age, they're in the bedroom, and he's now working kind of from her feet up. And he says to her, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. 
Your breasts are like two fawns. This guy loves deer. Um, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabib. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like a royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with your delights. Your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Okay, this is in the Bible, okay? I'm just letting you know. I'm not looking up, by the way. I'm just looking down at my page. Um, May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine, flowing gently over lips and teeth. And then she says, I am my lover's, and he claims me as his own. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates have bloomed, there I will give you my love. So this couple has still got it, okay? They still got it. And isn't it fun, like when you see an older couple that are just still so in love? You know, when you see an older couple and they're still traveling together or they're just giving each other looks or they're flirting or they're holding each other's hands, you know, still enjoying each other. I heard about an older couple who were cuddling on the couch um, watching TV. I think it was a weather channel. Um, and he, he started kissing her on the neck and she said, I like that. Uh, why don't you nibble on my ear like you used to? And the guy just gets up and she says, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth, you know. So... <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to that guy. But that's where we find this couple. Like, they still got it, okay? And so we're just going to look at some basic things that we can learn from them in this scene that could potentially make the difference in our relationships lasting a really long time. And the first thing is that they remember. They remember really well. One of the things I love most about this couple's love song is you can almost imagine them sitting down to write it, to write out this song, just remembering. Like, remember when we first met? Remember that? Yeah. Remember what you said to your friends? It's almost like they're flipping through an old photo album. You remember our wedding day? You remember our wedding night? Remember that fight we got into that one time? Remember how it worked out? You know, they're just remembering. And I think it's so important when we remember, it just rekindles something in us. Like, do you remember your first date together? Do you remember having knots in your stomach? Do you remember standing in front of the mirror to get ready? You remember when you would just call each other on the phone, like, to breathe? Like, you're just breathing back. And it's like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, I'll hang up. Just kidding. That was a test. I didn't hang up. You know, you remember that? Remember the first time you heard her say, I love you, or heard him say, I love you? I remember, like if I go back uh, 19 years, my husband Mike and I, we were at this event with a whole bunch of people, and we weren't dating, we were just flirting like all night, and so when he got up to leave, I tried to play it cool, um, and I was like, yeah, see you later, I'm going to stay for a while, which I stayed for about, you know, one minute more, and thought, okay, now I'm going to leave, but when I walked out to the parking lot, I was busted, because Mike was still there, um, and he he had locked his keys in his car, um, which if you know my husband, this is not a shocker. This is like the first time I experienced this. So I offered him a ride home and seven hours later dropped him off. We just kept driving, like passing the house. And you want to keep driving? You want to keep talking? You want to keep driving? Seven hours we drove around um, and I knew something was up. 
And that still does something in me when I remember that 22-year-old with frosted tips and an earring. I mean, it does something. I mean, it was the late 90s, so um, it was okay. Actually, it wasn't okay, but I still do love remembering that. So take some time to remember. Like maybe even today, like sit down with a photo album and go back and remember. It does something in us to keep our relationships vibrant as we get older. Serve each other. One of the coolest pictures that we see in these passages is that Solomon, as he's undressing, you know, his bride this time in their old age, it's different from the honeymoon night. Like on the honeymoon, when you read in that chapter, we see him start at the top of her head. It's her veil, it's her her eyes, her nose, her lips, but this time we find him at her feet. Taking off her sandals, he says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. This is the richest man, like in the world, who had it all. The wisest man, the greatest king, the goat, right? And where do we find him? At the feet of his wife. And I think that's because he had learned that real love and real intimacy flows out of a place where you consider and you value and you care for and you serve the other person above yourself. Like you look for opportunities to serve each other. And maybe if you're sitting here, you're thinking like, yes, that is exactly what they need to do. Um, You're missing the point, okay? Just to let you know, this this is you take the initiative. You show up and lay down your own rights to serve. You humble yourself. When we're serving each other and putting each other first, there is an intimacy that is built that is absolutely amazing. It's like this attitude that just quietly and unpretentiously goes around really caring for the other person. That builds great relationships. Does that mean that we might have to arrange our schedule for the other person? Yes. Does it mean we might have to do things around the house that aren't our job? Yes. Does it mean we may hang with the kids so that they can go do that thing? Yes. Does it mean we'll have to do the dishes? Oh, that one's hard. Yes. Um, Does it mean we might have to do those little things that never, ever get noticed? Yes. But as we begin to serve one another in this way, not out of obligation, not out of a need for recognition, not expecting anything in return, but doing this without any selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, valuing others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each to the interests of others. Can you imagine what our homes, what our relationships would be like if we lived out that verse? Can you imagine how different things would be if we were considering one another above ourselves? If we were starting at each other's feet, how can I serve you today? If we were waking up thinking, what could I do to help her thrive today? What could I do to help him thrive today? Serve each other. It builds amazing relationships. Another thing that's super basic, but we see this couple, um, something that they did was talk. Like, I know this is a bedroom scene that we went through in these verses, but I think it is so cool how Solomon, he spends 10 of the 12 verses just talking to his bride, to his beloved. I mean, before she ever says, yes, I am yours, claim me as your own, before he even lays a hand on her. He has spent all this time just talking about her, how much he loves her, what he loves about her. And one of the main things that can derail any kind of relationship or send our marriages into like this mundane rut, and listen, I'm telling you because I've been there, is our lack of talking about anything with substance. Again, remember 
what it was like when you first met and you just wanted to know everything about him, everything about her, and you talked and you talked and you had honest conversations, even vulnerable ones, that took you to these deep places in each other's lives. Listen, when over time we fall into those patterns because of life and kids and schedules and all that stuff of, of ever talking about things that matters, of talking about who we are or what we're feeling or the heartache we're struggling with or our relationship with God, this separateness begins to creep in. Listen, if we want to win at this, we want to have marriages and relationships and love that really last, we cannot give up meaningful conversation. It is one of the most intimate things that we can do. Talk to each other. It develops intimacy. And maybe you've kind of been in a rut in this area. Like you're thinking, yeah, that's it. Like we don't talk. Listen, I've been there. It's awkward to start again. But it is worth it. It is so worth it. Don't let the awkwardness keep you from going, you know what, we need to talk. Let's talk and start that, carve out some time for some meaningful conversation. We also see them get really creative with romance. Like it is, it's no, it's hard to deny that this couple like knows how to romance one another. Especially we see this over and over again with Solomon and the way he just seems to be enamored um, with his bride. But even in this portion that we just read, um, in their old age, it's beloved that says to him, come, my love, let's go out to the fields. Let's spend the night among the wildflowers. Let's get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates have bloomed there, I will give you my love. She is saying, let's get away. Let's go spend the night, you know, out in the fields. Let's get somebody to watch the kids and let's get out of here because I just want to be with you. And listen, for men and for women, if we could just take like a little bit of the energy that we put towards working out or a little bit of the energy we put towards our careers or our jobs or our hobbies and we put that energy towards romancing each other, I think we could do better. I think we could trade recliners in for romantic dances in the family room and leftovers for love songs, and watching baseball for first base, and climbing the ladder of success for maybe hiking some mountains together, the light of the laptop for the lighting of candles, falling asleep on the couch to falling asleep in each other's arms, iPhones for I love yous. I think we can do better. And listen, again, if this is like something you haven't done in a while, do it. Put a note in her car, put a, put a card in his suitcase, give that look across the room, a phone call in the middle of the day or his favorite thing or her favorite thing. And listen, if someone in your relationship does this this week, they try to get creative with romance, don't say, oh, you're only doing this because they said to do this at church, okay? <laughs> don't do that. Like, just receive it. Receive it and look forward to the next time or what you could do to get creative with romance. It really speaks to how we treasure each other when we make time and put energy towards this. And lastly, keep developing inner character. This one cannot be understated if we're going to have marriages and relationships and love that lasts. Like we must continue to become God's best version of us. We have to continue to have our hearts open to allow God to mold us, to shape us, to speak into our lives because that is what matters most. 
Solomon, even when he's speaking in these passages about her navel, you remember he said your navel is like a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Like this is more than just like a sexual reference. Um, back in this time, the center, the stomach, was really referred to as someone's spiritual center. And you see, wine, it was harvested in the fall, and wheat was in the spring. And so he's saying the center of who you are, it's so consistent all year round. It never fades throughout the whole calendar year. I just think who you are is amazing. Your character, your integrity, your relationship with God, it is consistent. He also says your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gates of Bathrabib. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Heshbon, that was the pool where priests would go to cleanse themselves. He's saying, when I look into your eyes, I see purity. You have this beautiful purity, inner strength thing going on with you. And it doesn't sound like a good thing that he compares her nose to a tower. Um, but he's saying... He's saying, you're like a watchtower facing the enemy, like, girl, you got my back, and I love that about you. You are always sniffing out danger. You're my ally. You're on my side. I love that about your character. He goes on to say, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. And what he's doing right in this part is he is quoting himself word for word from their honeymoon night so many years ago. And he's saying nothing has changed. But let's be honest. Things had changed, okay? Like he's looking at her body and her fawns. Her neck, like it probably doesn't look like it did before, but he doesn't see that. He is so in love with her inner character, with who she is, that when he looks at her, he still sees her as beautiful. It's like he just loves her, and she happens to be in that body. You see, First Peter says what matters is not your outward appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle and gracious kind that God delights on. Cultivate inner beauty. Character really matters. Listen, that's what we're going to be in love with for the long haul, right? Someone's kindness, sense of humor, integrity, honesty, joy, courage. Because listen, everything else fades. It does. We sag and we bag. And guys, your hair falls out and then it starts growing out of your noses and your ears. I don't know why. It does, right? And ladies, we get wrinkles and there's no amount of cream like to reverse this thing. Like this is fading. So maybe we should spend a little bit less time working on this thing and a little bit more time on what's going to last. Our inner selves. Because it is our inner character, the stuff that God develops in us, that will help us get through the tough pain of miscarriages as a couple, infertility, job loss, bankruptcy, addictions, tragic accidents, loss, cancer, mental illness, rebellious kids. It's building the kind of commitment that does make it through better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and health until we lay each other in the arms of Jesus. Listen, that's the important stuff. As you continue to move towards God individually, and the other person is moving towards God as an individual, look what happens. You get closer together. Keep developing inner character. Beloved, our woman says in the final chapter that a love like that, a love like that, it flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. She's like, this is a love that doesn't burn out. 
And this is a love I wouldn't trade for anything. Has it been perfect? No. But it is priceless. Keep developing inner character. Keep pursuing your relationship with God. Get creative with romance. This week, I dare you to do it. Talk to each other. Serve each other. And remember, get out that photo album and go back. Take the trip down memory lane and be grateful for the way that God brought you together like this couple did. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Uh, God, I thank you for the way that you speak to us, God, the way that you teach us. Father, I pray for every single uh, married couple in this room here today. God, would you guide? Would you lead? Would our hearts be open to surrender? God, would you give us the courage and boldness to, to do the things that need to change, to take those risks, to step into those awkward places, God, for, for the good? And God, would you remind us that you're for us and you're with us and that you want the absolute best for us and for our relationships? And Father, I pray for every single person in this room that is here with a broken heart for whatever reason. God, would you remind us all that you are the one who binds up our hearts. God, that you heal the brokenhearted. God, would you remind us that you're not done writing our story. Would you remind us that we are not forgotten by you, but seen by you. God, would you remind us all in the room today that there is only one place to find an unfailing love, and that is with you. And God, as we receive your unfailing love, then we would be able to give it away. In Jesus' name, amen.